Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Kent. It's another week and hence another new edition of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Hi, I'm Doug Keck, co-hosting with our chaplain here at EWTN, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, as we listen to Mother's take on some questions from her classic TV programs of the 80s and 90s, which you can still see here mm-hmm. on EWTN. Always great to see you, Father. And let's talk about uh, some of the topics we're going to be dealing with. Why is being a saint so hard? You do it so well. I don't we'll have to get your comment. How to make a giant leap in holiness. I'm working on that one. Uh, corporal and spiritual works of mercy, and also is love for God a gift? Why is it so hard to be a saint, or is it? There is a choice, and love has to be proven, <laughs> and it is hard. But it's also a beautiful heart, a beautiful struggle. It's a struggle for virtue. But it's, uh, it's something in which we prove our love by our continual choice. And we live in a toxic environment. Mother's bringing that out, you know, that today the environment in which we live is not encouraging us to virtue in so many ways. And that's why it's important to choose friends and companions, workplaces, that will help us to grow in virtue and in holiness and to strengthen us in the toxic environment in which we live. Right, known by the company we keep, as they used to mm-hmm. say in many times. Uh, your parents would say, I don't like the people you're hanging around with because mm-hmm. of the concerns of that impact. And obviously the impact of our society and, and all the information your mother talks about, how it's so tough because of uh, the ads on TV and how mm-hmm. horrible the programs are. Uh, that, And she talks about us being like sponges who just yeah. absorb the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And we're the gatekeepers of our hearts, And I often give this as advice in the confessional. You're the gatekeeper of your heart. When we reach adulthood, we become our own parents. We form the people that we will become. And so what are we going to fill our minds and our hearts with? It needs to be those things that will encourage us to virtue, to goodness, to charity, to deeper faith. And that's what the network's all about. The network is here to fill your minds with those good things so that you can grow in virtue and overcome the toxic environment. And also the idea of realizing that you're not alone Mm -hmm. on this walk, that there are plenty of other people just like you who are struggling but attempting to live out that lifestyle. And so we always say, well, EWTM Mm -hmm. being like an oasis for people to be uh, refreshed. People pass through here all the time, even more so now that the pandemic is over. And I, I often say to them, we're family. Because they feel like they're family, and we really are in the Lord. And she really meant it. Why is being a saint so hard? We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Yes. Yes, this is Larry from Concord, New Hampshire. Wonderful. I'm calling as a follow-up to the beautiful question that was asked by the lady prior to my call. Right. A dear friend of mine, Louis Kazmarek, was the former international the escort of the former International Pilgrim Virgin Statue of Our Lady of Fatima, uh-huh. said in one of his comments that was profound that we were all born to be saints. And my question to you is, why is it so difficult for us to strive to uh, sainthood, to be like saints? In other words, we don't have to have a halo around our head, just live our life according to God's will. Why is it such a struggle worldwide for us to live that way? 
I think it's because for years now, for years, at least a hundred years, more than a hundred years, we have progressively become anti-God and anti-goodness. There have been various kinds of people, nations, communism, fascism, and all the other isms, whose one desire is to destroy, destroy mankind, to destroy your rights, to destroy your need for God. And so they have substituted other things, materialism, entertainment, television. You, you can't even turn it on. Pornography. It didn't come overnight. It's been coming for about 110, 120 years. And suddenly you're in this mass of evil. They're in it. You can't go five miles without a pornography billboard. You can't open a magazine. You can't do anything. And the ads on television are worse than the programs. So you can't live in this atmosphere without absorbing it. You're like a sponge. Even if you weren't left in the middle of some wood and past the Sahara Desert, which, my friends, is a part of somebody else's chastisement. <sighs> you can't. You see, that's the evil, and the world is so strong. That's why your kids in high school, you're good parents, but they're, they're subjected to the worst. The worst. And it's worldwide. Worldwide. It just happened a little at a time. The New World Order, is that good? No, it's not good. It's evil. The One World Religion, is that good? It's evil. But some of you will buy it. You'll buy it. Because you don't love the Lord enough to fight against it. Change. Will you do that? We don't need to put up with this. Neither does God. The world belongs to God. You belong to God. I belong to God. All of nature belongs to God. He has a right. He alone has a right to wipe it away. He can do that justly. Now, we may not know him. <sighs> he loves us enough to say enough. I want you to remember that. He has a right to say enough. Enough. You have a right to say, I'll do what I please. And you have a right to say, I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me. I didn't understand. 
I don't intend or need or want to be a prophet. But I think because I love you, because you've been good to this network, because you've kept it going, because you're the ones that have helped us through thick and thin, I have a duty, I have a duty to say, family, please, change your life around. Moving along, a caller asks how to make a giant leap in holiness, and this has to do with forgiveness here. And sometimes the very best the thing we can do is be separate for a time. And it doesn't mean that we want the separation to be forever, and we're praying that there'll be a happy relationship but sometimes there does need to be a certain distance. But the thing is, our Lord taught us that we are to act in a particular way. We may not feel a certain way. We may not feel forgiveness. But he says, pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who harm you. So he's asking us to do these things, these works of charity, even if we don't feel it. Absolutely. And, and as you've said many times and we've heard, you know, if it's tougher to be angry with somebody you're praying for, right? Exactly. The two can't go together. And somehow the grace of God, of course it is, given to us when we're praying for someone. That's the prayer most pleasing to God when we're praying for others. And it's the one most like Christ when we're praying for those who've hurt us. Right, exactly. I remember Father Groucho always talked about the toughness of dealing with the kind of the unthankful beggar, the person mm -hmm. who, uh, you know, wants your charity, and then when you give it to him, kind of throws it back in your face. Yeah, and that's when our love, our act of charity is most pure, when there is no return or even hostility. That's why we'll find out how to make a giant leap in holiness. We have another call. Hello? God bless you, Mother. Thank you, dear. Where are you from? Uh, New Jersey. And what is your question? Mother, um, we are taught that the Christian way is to forgive. Yeah? But I have a close relative, a brother, who does serious wrong against me, and I was wondering, and he never asked for forgiveness. Yeah. Is it okay to just end the relationship after many attempts of trying to amend the problem to no avail? Does it get worse? Doesn't values? Yeah. You know, sometimes the best act of charity you can do for somebody, stay away. I think if you're aggravating him to a point where he becomes more unkind and you just render him chances to show more uh, dislike or whatever for you, what I would do is just pray for him. See, the Lord has never said that I have to see that my neighbor forgives me. You ever read that anywhere? Anywhere? No. The commandment is that you love and forgive. Now, you can't do good to him because he won't accept it. But doing good to him is prayerful also, saying prayers and wishing him eternal happiness. If you can do that with a sincere heart, now these feelings are going to come every so often, but you just have to just push him aside like a fly on your nose, you know. Forgive him and pray for him. And stay away. Stay away. For you, you can't make people up. You see, I, you know, I was never, con 
I've always believed in hell, but I believe in it more today than I did before. Because some people hate God. They don't want to be with God. It's, it's so heartbreaking for me to see this awesome God who loves enough. And, and, and you know, Our Lady, I was reading a book on my retreat day about uh, Lucy and uh, Fatima. And she said something Our Lady told the children about uh, the sinful men. That includes all of you people out there. That uh, was so hard for her to tell the children. She asked St. Michael to tell them. Because they love you so much, you see. And we offend God over and over. And now we don't even want him around. We have other gods. Other gods. Called feminism. It's so sad to me that if I thought about it too long, I, I would cry unending. Because you, you see beautiful souls, knowledgeable souls, they're not in the dark. And, and you don't see uh, you see, we, we please God when we forgive. We are most like God when we suffer and when we forgive. When we forgive. So please don't lose this marvelous opportunity to make a giant leap in holiness. What a giant leap you could make right now Say, Lord, I forgive him, but because he is dis dislikes me and hates me, and I will forego his friendship. There's no friendship at all. We'll pray for you. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Keck on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica answering the call. I'm Doug Keck here with our wonderful chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Our topic on the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Mother mm -hmm. answers that question. You know, in our contemporary times, I, I like to say that God gave us two mothers one to teach us the corporal works of mercy, Mother Teresa, and one to teach us the spiritual works of mercy, Mother Angelica. Of course, both of them did both, <laughs> you know, but there's a certain emphasis that they had. But I like what Mother says here that these corporal works of mercy or spiritual works of mercy doesn't have to be some big thing, but it's just the little things that we do out of love for each other. Absolutely. And she talks about some of, you know, obviously some of the more corporal ones as well, the practical things mm -hmm. related to me. Some of you have suits uh, you'll never fit in again, <laughs> and you'll never lose that weight. So what are you waiting for? Get it out of your closet. Give it to somebody who might be able to use it, right? That's the nice thing about wearing a habit is that it expands quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have buttons on this, so <laughs> we could just loosen our, you know, our cord a little bit more <laughs> if we put out a few pounds. Yeah, like that's your problem. 
But it's good practical advice, right, with Mother's characteristic humor, so we thank her for that. Let's see what Mother has to say about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. So we're going to take some calls. Hello? Hello, Mother. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Illinois. Ah, what is your question? My question is, Mother, you've answered part of it, but how can we uh, work the uh, corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy uh, in our daily lives? This program this evening is probably one of the best that I've ever watched. Thank you. I hope it can be repeated. Thank you. Well, let's go over them a little bit. We all have many small ways, you know, we're not asked to be like our Holy Mother. I just call her our Holy Mother because she belongs to the world. And and I don't think, you know, we can always give food to hungry, even a piece of candy to a kid. You know, I know a man one time, he, he kept all kind of little candies in his pocket. and he to kick, oh, so we are here. What is that? There's always times of thoughtfulness when we don't maybe have to give somebody a glass of cold water. But you can say, hey, are you heart? Can I get you a drink? If you're in an office, can I give you a cup of coffee? Our Lord didn't exclude every other drink, only water, you know. I don't think he wants you to give him a beer, but I think... (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that we do have many... And be thoughtful to your family. Your husband comes home and he says, oh, I'm so hot. Well, get him a drink. What's the matter? He's crippled. He can't get a drink himself. (laughs) See the opposite? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just opposite. Why can't you get him a drink? You're his wife. I'm not his servant. Yeah, you are. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're there tired from taking care of the kids and cooking and all, he should say, Honey, why don't we go out and take a walk? I'll give you a go for a ride or something. That that's a corporal work of mercy, and it's a spiritual work of mercy. We all have clothing we don't need. Some of you people got stuff in your closet you can't even wear and worn, I told you before, for ten years. It's this big. Now you're that big. <laughs> Why are you hanging on to it? What is it going to do in there? You see what I'm saying? Some of you have suits. You, you'll never get You hope. I'm going to lose weight. You're not going to lose. You're not going to lose that much weight. So those are things you can do to visit the sick. Take a little time off sometime. You've got ants that have been rotting in these convalescent and homes. You never go see them. You know what the saddest thing in the world is when we don't see our own? This woman wrote to me one time. She said, Mother, I have nine children. They put me in a convalescent home. Not one visits me. Terrible. And sometimes we should go and visit those who nobody ever visits. To give counsel to those in doubt. There is no generation, I don't think it's ever been, worldwide, that doesn't have people who question the faith, question the existence of God, question the goodness of God. 
we, we have many options. You work in an office, they won't let you put a crucifix on your desk, they won't let you do anything holy. But they may come over a cup of coffee and say, why do you believe all this stuff? And say, no, it's not stuff, it's real. God is real, he loves you and he loves me. Little things like that. The one that admonish sinners, if there's one sin today, it's a sin of omission. The sin of omission. We refuse to do what we should do. We refuse to correct those who are in gross sin and in danger of hell. And closing out our program, we have a very interesting question. Is love for God a gift? Is it? And Mother brings out the expression of that that's most profound, you know, in our minds is the baptism of an infant. That here this infant's receiving this great gift from God based on the faith of the parents who are presenting this child for baptism. And so it's a pure gift. It's nothing the infant has earned, you know, or deserves or merited. But it's a pure gift. Right. And she really makes the point that basically everything in life is actually a gift. Mm -hmm. And even our desire to do good is a gift from God. We could not do good without his grace. So, yes, everything is a grace. Everything is a gift. It is our correspondence with it. So he's the one that prompts us to do good. But then it is our correspondence with that grace and to say, yes, I want to cooperate with that grace that you're inspiring in me and to carry out this good work. Right, and the gift of your family, the gift of your spouse, uh, the gift of life, uh, the gift of the Eucharist and the other sacraments designed to, to help mm -hmm. you spiritually. If we think about our lives up to this point, how many gifts that we've received for the good of our body and for the good of our soul? They're numberless. Numberless are your mercies, O Lord, one of the Psalms says. And it's a good thing. You know, those who are grateful, count your blessings, right? If you're down and discouraged, count your blessings. That's a, a piece of advice that people have given over the years. And that's important and it's true that if we do that, we're going to see how blessed indeed we are. And hearkening back to something you were talking about at the beginning about baptism, uh, where Mother talks about the idea that all of heaven lives in that little baby. Mm-hmm that something new has begun for the first time that child with the family is going to be praying our father there's a new relationship there absolutely mother angelica on is love for god a gift so we have a call hello hi mother hi how are you fine thanks and what is your question would it be correct to say that this love that we must have for god is itself a gift of god oh, and yeah. And two verses that come to mind are, um, no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. Mm -hmm. Or the other one would be, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Mm -hmm. You see, everything is a gift. Faith is a gift. Love is a gift. But it's open to all. No one is excluded from the heart of God. It's what we do or don't do with it. You see? And that's why I love baptism so much. And the sisters don't celebrate birthdays. Yeah, we have a cake. We have one cake a month for all the birthdays, all together. But we celebrate with a mass and our baptismal day. 
That's the day we celebrate. Why? Because that's the day we became a child of God. Not that we weren't always children by the fact we're created by him, but we did not have indwelling. See what it says here? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we will come and make our home in him. And the gift of baptism secures. That's a real gift. Most of you are crying over that cold water on your head. You don't know what happened to you. But God knows. Oh, he just came, made his home in that little baby. Mm. There's nothing. There's no gift like baptism. There's no gift like the Eucharist. There's no gift like confession. All the seven gifts. There's no gift like any of them. They're all there to make us strong and holy. Oh, it's a gift. And those who have not been baptized, you need to ask for it. You need to ask to be baptized, but you also need to ask God, Lord, what is it I need to know you better, to love you more? Huh? What is it I need? It is a gift. And the Lord said also in the scriptures, he said, it is the will of my Father that all men be saved. But when our Lord asked him, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Father told him it's not possible because they don't want to be saved. See, it's a matter, it's our problem, not God. We must want to be saved. And when we have the gift of faith, hope, and love, which represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at baptism, oh my. <laughs> All of heaven lives in that little baby. See, that's why to kill a child, a baby, is so bad. <laughs> I hope one day our country will suddenly become aware of its great sin. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.